With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Phillies Backstage. I'm Tom Burgoyne, along with my partner, John Brazier. John Brazier. How you doing, John? I'm doing great. Phil's are in the middle of a big uh, winning. It's funny. Bryce Harper said we need to win nine of the last 10 or nine of the next 10. Yeah. Right now, they've won, what, eight of the last nine. Yeah. So, so we win today. We win today. Sweep the Nationals. We are Life doing, is good. We are doing this before the four o'clock game, uh, last of a four game series against the Nationals. Yes. And we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, this year's team with our guest. And John, we're pumped to have him. You know him, you love him, and uh, it's great to have you, Bo. Larry Boa, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm looking forward to this today with, yeah. uh, with Dick, and uh, Phillies are playing great. I really believe that when they get in, not if, they're getting in, that's a tough draw for another team. You got Wheeler and Nola. Yep. I don't care what you've done, how many games you've won in a row. Those two guys could shut you down, and our lineup's deep. Our bench is good. Our uh, revamped bullpen is pitching very well. We're going to be a tough out. Believe me, we're going to be a tough out. Well, you mentioned Dick Allen, and obviously we are here today because uh, in about an hour we're going to have a ceremony where we're going to retire Dick Allen's number, which is well-deserved, and hopefully this will catapult him. Uh, That's not the reason why we did it, but uh, hopefully this will at some point down the road in the near future get him into the Hall of Fame, which would be great. No doubt he should be in. I was just hoping no matter – I know the epidemic and everything – Everything's delayed or canceled, but I thought they could have still done that with the Veterans Committee and put him in. Yeah, don't they have Zoom, Bo? I don't well, get it. We've yeah, been well. Zooming all summer. <laughs> exactly. So I don't think it would hurt to do it again. Agreed. You know, when guys reach a certain age, you know, he, he definitely deserves to be in there. And you hope nothing happens. You know, we don't know life the way it is right now. But to put it off another year, I was a little disappointed. But So it was I, supposed to be early December, if I'm not right, right, right. around December 4th or 5th right. or somewhere around there. Right. So there, it's going to be Next. back another December? Yeah, there's a year. Wow. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I, I knew it was delayed. I didn't know He's it was going to get in. I just, I wish right. they didn't have to delay it another year. Well, you were just talking about that second go-around because it's interesting. When I looked it up, because I forgot, I wasn't sure how much you your career interacted with Dick when he first came through Philadelphia. His last year was 69. Your first full year was 70. Uh, but uh, when he came back in 75 uh, and your core group was starting to, to really to take off, uh, what did he mean to that club? He meant a lot to us. You know, I, I remember coming up in the late 60s, because I was in the Army Reserve, and so when I did my duty on the weekend, I would go to Connie Mack, and I'd watch Dick, and he that was the time when he was putting notes in the dirt with his spike, and I guess him and the media didn't get along that good. So that's the only really uh, the way I could associate with Dick. But then when he came in 75, he was tremendous for our team. He taught us a lot of stuff, talked baseball all the time. Uh, he was like a tutor to a lot of us. You know, we were starting to, at 75, really get into our groove and to have him around. 
was really, really a big plus for the organization. I mean, and, and what a presence he had. I mean, whenever I, I mean, he was just at the point where Tom and I are the same age. So his second stint was what we can remember. Sure. We can't remember his first stint. Right. I, I didn't even go to Connie Mack. Right. But when you hear people talking about Dick Allen, especially in that first stint, was just the length, the bombs that he hit and the bat that he held and the hands, you know, holding that big bat. 35-inch, 40-ounce bat. I remember, this is no lie, in 75, you know, you swing the lead bat when you're on deck. Something was uh, was messed up or I wanted to change my routine. I just grabbed one of his bats and swung it like a lead <laughs> right, bat right. before I got I cannot believe a guy would swing a bat that heavy and that long. But he was such a strong and he would hit balls to right center field straight away. Unbelievably a power hitter that if he played right now in the parks the way they are, oh. he would hit. 50 to 60 home runs. I'm telling you, even when he missed balls, they went a long way. But he was, uh, he was, great to, he was a great teammate, and he helped us out a lot. Yeah, and were you aware how dominant he was? I mean, you were, you know, uh, you know, younger, and you were just getting your career started. But everybody's talking about that period between '64 and '74. He was second only to Aaron in slugging, and you know, second to hit only Aaron in a couple categories in an 11-year period. That's domination. His numbers were off the charts. Yeah, and I, to to be honest, I don't know how he's been overlooked this long. If you right. want to compare him to Hall of Famers that are in there, not, not taking anything away from the Hall of Famers. But his numbers, as you said, are right up there with Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, all the great hitters. And to see him have to wait this long, I mean, I'm glad it's going to happen because I, I really believe it is. But it, it's sort of uh, an injustice that he had to wait this long. I mean, in a Phillies uniform, he was 1964 NL Rookie of the Year. He, 290 average, 371 on base percentage, 530 slugging percentage, 204 doubles, 204 home runs, 655 RBIs, and that's just in a Phillies uniform. And you know, the thing, Brace, about that is when you have guys that are that strong and hit home runs now, their strikeouts are usually maybe in a full season, 175, 180. I mean, he struck out maybe 100 times, a, a few times, but not to the point where he went, oh, it's either going to be a strikeout. He right. could hit. Yeah, he wasn't he, Rob he, he Deere. He was a good hitter. Right. And uh, he hit balls the other way as, as well as I've seen. I had seen him hit some balls at Connie Mack Stadium when I used to go watch some games there doing that reserve thing to right center where they had the big scoreboard. Unbelievable how far balls went. But also, like, there is a um, feeling from some people, which I think is totally incorrect, and I want you to dispel this, is that he wasn't a good clubhouse presence when everyone I've talked to, players, coaches, or they say he was an unbelievable clubhouse presence. I thought he was – I didn't see anything wrong with the way he handled himself in our clubhouse. And I think, you know, he, he got into it with the media a couple right. times. And he got into a, 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 an accident where he pushed his hand through a uh, windshield, right? windshield yep. of a car, and they blew that up. And then that's when he started writing things in the dirt before right. the game. Because I remember sitting upstairs watching it because Bill Gargano – the late Bill Gargano got me in the Army Reserves, and he said, okay, after that day, let's go watch the Phillies play at Connie Mack. And I remember watching him. And I, but but the, 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 he, was, he wasn't the way he was at 75. His attitude was completely different. Yeah. I mean, I, I got to have a spring training with him. He was good with me. He was good with all the young guys. And uh, for some reason, I don't know why the media and him clashed, but 
he uh, he brought a lot to the table when he came back the second time. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, uh, since we have you, Bo, we'd love to just go back in time a little bit and talk about your career. Uh, I talked to Larry Shank today. Gave Larry a call, and because uh, I stumbled upon an article he yes, wrote about. Yes, I, I read the same thing. Yeah, it's a great a great article. I'm like, and I'm looking it up. It's like, oh, Larry wrote this. So I called him, and he's coming in today for the ceremony, which I'm yep. really pumped about. But anyway, I had no idea you were playing Spartanburg. It was your first year. Well, hold on, well, can we What's back that? up before that even? Yeah, yeah. Like this is amazing. I know that the story is, has been told. Yeah. But I mean, you hear Michael Jordan, oh, you right, know, right. got cut from his high school team as a yeah. freshman. Larry never played high school baseball. <laughs> oh, that, got, that's the craziest. I, that is crazy. You're one of the greatest shortstops. Cut three times. I got cut three times. <laughs> I happened to be playing a summer league after the third, my senior year. It was a summer league that 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 uh, in Sacramento that everybody joined up and you played. Mm. And the junior college coach came out and watched, and he says, "Hey." are you coming to City College? I said, yeah. And he says, I'd like you to come out for the team. And I went, I didn't even make my high school team. How am I going to make your team? He says, I will give you every opportunity to make it. So I went there, and I made all-conference two years in a row. And then Eddie Bachman, who signed a lot of guys out of Sacramento, he signed me. And uh, Paul Owens had to look at me on a bed sheet right. in a hotel room. And he said, boy, he looks like he's fast. He said, oh, he can run, he can throw, he can catch it. I don't know if he's going to hit. And they said, let's sign him. You know, what, what, what do we have to lose? So I got $2,000 a sign. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the rest is, is basically history. I went, I went to A, AA, and AAA in three years. I learned how to switch it at AAA. Yep. And, um, but what, was it also a, a tall story that, uh, that you kicked out? Your, the scout went to see you. Yeah, I don't know if it's Eddie Bachman. And you got kicked out of both, both games? games? First game, like <laughs> in the third inning. I love the that. Second game, it was, it was the second, maybe earlier than that. And I remember Paul Owens, Daddy tells me the story. He says, how do you do? And he goes, I have no idea. And Paul, <laughs> well, you didn't go to the game. He says, I went, but he got kicked out, both of them. And I guess Paul. Pope probably loved that. Paul, Pope, oh, Pope, yeah. Pope did love that. So, uh, But, you know, again, and my first game was something not to write home about. Four punch outs in a row. Uh, and I remember sitting in my stool, and Bob Wellman was the manager. And he says, are you all right? And I had my head down. And he says, you okay? And I said, Bob, I called him Skip. I said, Skip, if, if baseball's this way, I said, you guys might as well send me back to Sacramento. And he said, this guy's going to be special. And I thought, you know, as a manager, you pump up the guy. And I said, well, I hope you're right. It has to be Nolan Ryan. <laughs> right. Nolan I, I, Ryan. I had no chance. Can you believe that? I was that? hitting right-handed. I had no chance. But he, he was a prophet because Nolan Ryan was one of the – greatest pitcher. Larry doesn't realize it, but he's already one for one on the questions. That's one <laughs> right. of my, that's that one one of of my questions. questions. So you're yeah. already on a good roll. Uh, well, you know, and Bo, your, your career, everybody talks about, ah, oh, he's the scrappy guy. He's the guy who, uh, you know, didn't have the talent of Willie Mays, you know, right, but right. he still, you know, worked at it, worked right. at it, worked at it. You got to, I mean, reflecting back, you know, you, you got to really be proud that that's what you're known for. You know what, uh, Tom, I, I, the, the part that, that really that I very proud of is you know when I came up I'll be honest we're sitting here talking I couldn't hit I, I, I could not hit and to get over 2,000 hits is something that I look back on Billy DeMars the hitting coach probably helped me more than anybody besides my father about how to hit and uh, that part stands out to me more than anything obviously the all-star games but the World Series is the number one thing in my career that I look at the number one the best thing that ever happened to me in a Philly uniform, winning the first ever World Series for the Phillies. And you look back at that, the parade going in JFK is something you, you never forget. And that stands out more than anything in my career. 
is winning the 80 World Series. And isn't it kind of funny? You mentioned Nolan Ryan. You struck out four times against him in your first pro game, but yet in that five-game series against Houston, you actually did pretty well against Nolan Ryan. I'm the one that started the impact. Pete says, if you get on, we're going to beat this guy. And if you look at his numbers after the sixth or seventh inning with the lead, they're off the charts. Lights out. And once we beat him and we went to the World Series, there was no pressure. Everyone said, you have pressure. I said, once we got through the Houston and that series, every game was extra innings except for the first one. I said, I, I knew we were going to win. I just, it was something that you just feel inside you, and, and it was true. We did, we come back and beat Kansas City. With game one, I remember game one, you stole a base in game Down one. Down four runs. Down and, four runs, and then shake and bake a couple batters later. Uh, and Dallas, got the three run I, I home run. I remember scoring the run. Booney drove me in, and Dallas said, Did you see the hold? And I went, yeah. And he says, you know, if you got thrown out, you might as well keep running. I said, <laughs> Dallas, it seemed like we were a little lethargic. So yeah, I went, yeah. And it, I thought I had a great jump, but I looked at the – it was bang, bang, man. And I <laughs> He I was went, close. Thank God it was safe. So <laughs> what, what did Pete Rose – you know, obviously we got him in 79. But what did he mean to that? Obviously, I think we all know what he meant. But, you know, from your perspective, Pete Rose coming joining the Phillies. He let us know how good we were. You know, we all came up together. So, you know, we, we, we were sort of digging ourselves, but we kept coming up short. And we started doubting ourselves a little bit. You know, even though we played the Big Red Machine and the Dodgers, who were two great teams, there was either a play, a pitch, or a call that went against us, and we couldn't get over the hump. Pete's the guy that basically, when he came in that clubhouse, even in 79, he says, you guys realize how good you are? Nobody wants to play you guys. And we all went, wow. He, he told Schmidt, he says, do you realize how great you are? And sometimes you doubt, sometimes your ability because you never face the guy. He says, what do you think that guy over there is thinking when you step in the batter's box? So he just sort of pumped everybody up. But it's the way he approached the game. I mean, he never gave away at bats. Uh, and uh, he was the missing piece to the puzzle, no question. I, I love the story with Bob Boone. Tells the story that, of the infamous play. Oh, yeah. And when Bob Boone tells it, you know, everyone's, everyone says, Pete Rose is the hero. He saved Bob. Well, Bob says the opposite. He said that, that was Pete Rose's play from the get-go. And he tells yeah. the story of Fantasy Camp all, every yeah, year. It's funny. And it's Charlie great. Hustle, my Yeah, ass. right. And he says he gets over there. It's, it should have been his play. And he's like, well, how come Pete's not here? How come Pete's not here? Oh, my God, Pete's not here. So, you know, he sticks out his glove last second, then goes off his glove. Pete comes in when he should have been there already. <laughs> Right. And you're exactly right. He said, Pete Rose, my, <laughs> Charlie Hustle, my ass. And you know what? If you check that video, yes. Booney went a long way for that. Yeah. And I know Pete was playing deep, but he went a long way. Yeah. I never realized it till one day Booney goes, I said, man, I bought that play you and Pete. I said, good thing Pete was there. And he goes, Bo, go check the replay on it. And, and I did. He went a long way for that. Long way. Yeah. Well, uh, we had Jason Stark on last week, uh, Larry, and uh, we also talked about Dallas Green, certainly, and the influence he had on that on that team. And, uh, you know, it wasn't – there was a lot of chirping going there on was. in that clubhouse, right? There was. And, and you know, you, you we had Danny Ozark, who I thought did a great job with our personalities. And it just – he couldn't get over the hump, so to speak. And it wasn't his fault. It was the players' fault. But to have Dallas come in, you're talking about two different personalities. And we had a couple guys that, as far as uh, being, uh, they didn't like confrontation on our team. I, I loved it. He came in and started screaming at everybody. But we had a couple guys on there that didn't like it. And we had to overcome some of that stuff. But, again, he's another guy, if he isn't there, we probably don't win a World Series. He's like, he pushed us, he pushed us, pushed us, and he knew what buttons to push. And uh, – Again, Dallas was a very integral part in us winning. Let's talk about uh, a guy that uh, probably one of your best friends, if not your best friend in baseball, John Vukovic, who's from – did yeah. you know him in Sacramento? Yeah, I did. So you guys grew up together? Yep. Um, I always – I think of Vuk all the time, and I'm sure we all do. 
Um, I was thinking of Vuk specifically the other day when Soto from the Nationals is takes a step out of the box uh, and starts digging, literally spent spend 15 seconds digging <laughs> into the batter's box. And I couldn't even imagine what John Vukovic would be yelling at that guy right Not now. Not only Vuk, because Vuk would have definitely let him know, but the pitchers that pitched back then, I'm not, I'm not being old school, but they had a mean streak in them. And, and if you did stuff like that, you just didn't do it because you knew you were probably going to get one in the ribs. And now, I guess, you know, it's way of the games being played now that pitchers is okay with it, catchers are okay with it, and the hitters, they feel okay with it. So can, it's just a different philosophy now. Can you tell the story, because uh, I think you were in uniform then, when, uh, when Vukovic, when uh, you got swept by the Orioles in Camden Yards <laughs> and, the, and the Baltimore the bird, Orioles, the bird, you remember that story? Oh, hand. my God. He, he went crazy. He went after, <laughs> went after the bird, yeah. Screaming yeah. at him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was there. Yeah. Vuk was, a, he, like I said, he was my best friend ever. And uh, well, that, did I wrote, did I ever tell you the way that story ended? Because he went into the, the dressing wedding, room. Right. Well, set it up. Set it up. The, the, the Oriole bird, right? right. Bird was on top, of the, swept. on top of the visiting dugout. Last out. Yards, last out. And he's up there with the broom. And Vuk's looking up at him, oh. and and the veins are popping out of his neck. Oh, yeah. And you know, you, he's going to blow up. So uh, he finds out where the bird's dressing room is, and the door swings open, and the guy had just taken off his costume, and he's on the phone. He looks up, and there's Vuk in the doorway <laughs> with his veins popping out, and he's like. Well, Where's the bird? And the guy goes, you just missed him. He left five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody a good quick, I was quick thinking on he the goes, bird. You, you tell that bird next time I see him, I'm going to shove that you know, broom. And uh, the bird, he called me. The guy called me five he minutes did. later. He's like, your, your third base coach was just in my dressing room. And, uh, he was going to kill me. Yeah, the, the, he was a true warrior, believe me. Do you, um, and kind of fast forwarding when you got the job, I mean, how pumped were you in 2001, Bo, when you got the job to manage the Phillies? You know what? I, I've been very lucky. The Phillies have treated me unbelievable. I got to close Connie Mack. I got to open the vet. I got the first hit at the vet. I got to close the vet. I got to open the new spring training site, and I got to uh, uh, manage the first game at Citizens Bank. Awesome. So I've had a whole lot of firsts and you know, being lucky is, is part of it, and the organization treating me the way they have is a big part of it. And I'm very blessed to look back at all the things that I've done in a Philly uniform. And again, being at the right place at the right time. And uh, and I remember Phillies that. Had a lot to do with yeah, it. and uh, Larry Shank talking about Larry. It was his idea to have that press conference at the top of the Lowe's Hotel. It was yep. huge. Yeah, it was unbelievable. that was pretty cool yeah, with the great was. view, and yep. uh, you know, you just must have been so stoked. Yeah, I was. That was that was another big moment in my life yep. with a Philly uniform. No yeah. question. Uh, baseball just lost uh, a huge ambassador for the sport and one of the greatest pitchers in your mm. era, Tom Seaver. Um, what was it like facing Tom Seaver, and who were some of the toughest pitchers that you faced uh, in the 70s? Well, you could put him up there, right up there with Bob Gibson. Those two guys were, not only were they great, they were intimidating. But I, I did an interview today with somebody from New York. I have never seen, you know, when you see fastballs that come up, they have a tendency to rise. But I have never faced a pitcher when he throws a ball a little bit, bit below your knees, and it ends up a little above your knees. That's the kind of spin he had on it, and the way he drove the ball downhill. Unbelievable competitor. And as far as facing him, I remember going into New York, and, and, and you know we would talk about how great those teams were and their pitching staffs. And I said, man, if I could go 0 for 3 with a walk, that'd be a good day against <laughs> Tom Seaver. But he was one of the greatest pitchers I ever faced, along with Bob Gibson. You could throw Carlton in there. I mean, that era, there were some tremendous pitchers, and – 
if they had guns today, the, the, the radar guns, they would be up there. I guarantee Seaver through 97, but the guns were a lot different. And, uh, but he was a competitor. He could throw the ball in, out, up, down. Uh, you knew you were in for a battle when you faced him every day. And a hard fastball. Uh, you know, um, I always wonder, you know, you, you, we were talking about Dick Allen's huge bat. You used a smaller bat. Right. And I, this is a total amateur question, but when you're using a, a, a bat that's not quite as big and you're up against a hard thrower who throws that hard fastball, does it, you know, is it, is it harder to hit or is I think it, it hurt your hands? For me you know? because it was a shorter swing for yeah, me. Yeah. And I knew I wasn't hitting home runs. So my whole thing was, I look back at over the hits I got over 2,000. I said, these guys are stupid. I'd have thrown me slow curve balls, change up. Because when you throw that hard, they supply all the, the whatever comes off the bat. That's true. So, yeah. you know, you just get the bat out in front and you hit a line drive somewhere. But uh, I, I choked up with him probably a little <laughs> bit more than I would against other pitchers. But he was... It was a battle when you faced Tom Seaver. It is cool to see the old clips of you, Bo, yeah. uh, batting, because it looks like you're choked up about well, halfway I, I up the bat. It. You don't see that anymore, no, do you? not at all. Because, yeah. you know, they're getting paid to hit home runs, face it. It's, yep. a different, it's a different era now. But the strikeouts back when we played weren't nearly as prevalent as they are now because you had guys that, hey, your job is to get on base. Now it seems like a lot of everybody, one through nine, can hit home runs. So, But in our, in our lineup, we had first two guys get on base for the big boys. They'll drive you in, and that, that's how the, the philosophy was then. But also there was a stigma back then that if you, even if you hit a lot of home runs, if you struck out too much, then you weren't a good player. Rob, Rob Deere, I mean, is, is Rob Deere considered a, a good baseball player? I guess he's considered a good pretty home good. Run hitter. But, but yeah. that's what he was. He was a good home run hitter, right. but he struck out way too Dave much Kingman. back I, then. I always think Dave of King Kingman. Kong, Kingman. Yeah. That's right. the guy I think of. Right. But yeah. now it, the stigma is no longer, so they're no. basically swinging from the heels at any, yeah, any because, moment. Because you're getting... You know, and again, it's it's not the Phillies; it's the industry. They're paying guys to hit home runs. So if you right. hit thirty-five home runs and strike out one hundred and eighty times, hey, you're going to get paid. Well, you know? well, looking at this year's team, Harper's season, uh, he's draw, uh, having a better season uh, at batting average. He's getting on base more, and he has changed his when he's down two he strikes, strikes. He's changing his approach. He does. He spreads yeah, out and covers impressive. the plate. Very impressive. And yep. uh, I, I, I like to, and I watched uh, the. Uh, Soto for uh, for uh, Washington, he does the same thing. When he gets two strikes, he's another great player. I mean, you see, you see the real good players make some adjustments now, which I like. And rather than keep swinging, if the count's zero and two, you're in the hole, so you got to make an adjustment. And uh, it's impressive to watch uh, Harp do that. And, uh, and I told him, I, he started doing it in spring training. I said, "Is, is that something new?" He said, "I don't like striking out that much." And our rookie kid, Ball, just about hates, to ask you that, he hates striking out. Right. Yeah. I love his approach. And, and how about in the field, too? I mean, I know he's, he's improved, he can, right. He's he made an unbelievable play yesterday, yeah, he did. last he night. Did. And, you know, he's a hard worker. He's a good kid. One thing I knew right from start, I got to watch him at uh, Wichita State before we drafted him. He is a type of player that is going to hit, and he's going to hit for an average because he hits the ball the other way. He, he, he has a two-strike approach. Uh, but he's, he's going to be a good player, real good player. How about the uh, position of shortstop? How, how has that changed in terms of uh, defending uh, the position? I always, I, and I'm asking this question because I, every game I came to as a kid, you were so great at going to your right, planting the foot, and making that throw. And it always seemed like every game I was at, you would make that play, and, and Gary Maddox would chase one down at the wall. It's like every game I was at, I was like, there's the two plays. But um, has it changed? Uh, the, the philosophy? With, yeah. Yeah, because when we played, the, the whole thing was, you guys be strong up the middle. Do you catch your short, second, center? That's how teams sort of put their teams together 
defensively. Now you got guys that maybe range-wise they're not that good, but because of the analytics, they tell you where to play. So range is basically it's not a big deal anymore because they have all the stuff. Hey, this guy hits the ball right here with two strikes. When the count's three and one, this is where he likes to hit the ball. So if you've got good hands and a good arm, you don't need to have range. And, of course, these guys now, they have a lot of power. I was going to say, position. it's more yeah. of an offensive position. No question. And that probably started with Cal Ripken and A-Rod oh, yeah. and Jeter right. and guys no that question. are more offensive, you know, bigger guys, no whereas it used to be the smaller, smaller shorts guys, out there were very good kept, defensively. Kept, worry about catching the ball. Let the big boys on the corners and the outfield and the infield – They'll supply the offense. You just make every play and be able to move runners, hit and run, and stuff like that. So, again, philosophy is a lot different. There's some great athletes playing now. Uh, the shortstop for Cleveland is tremendous. Tatis, San Diego. Mm. I, oh, I, yeah. watch, I go at night after I watch our game. I watch West Coast games because I like watching him play, and he's, he's, he's the real deal. That team's going to be tough this oh, year. And oh, they yeah. got some good arms. Yeah. But they're a scary team. Yeah. Now, they're a team. You know, everyone says there's going to be a lot of teams in that shouldn't be in, but they're a team. If they get in, that's going to be a tough out for whoever they play. Yeah. So you had mentioned uh, going to Wichita State. Now, part of your job as the assistant, uh, special assistant to Matt Clintock or the general manager is, uh, and again, let's pretend it's normal times. Um, you do a lot of scouting, yeah, I would, right? I would have gone and watched, uh, if we, it, especially if we're going to draft an infielder. They say, hey, you know, we want you to go watch uh, Mordecai, uh, not Mordecai, uh, the guy for second base, Matt uh, the little guy. Anyway, he went to Oregon. Oh, Madrigal. Madrigal. Yep. I had to go watch him, and I watched Bohm. And uh, so when we're going to draft an infielder, they asked me to do that. But if it's a regular season, I watch all our home games here. When they go on the road, I go watch our minor leagues. I go to uh, Lehigh Valley. I'll go to Redding. I'll go to uh, Clearwater uh, and, and watch our young kids. And then Matt will say, what would you see on so-and-so? And I just tell them what I see. And uh, it's fun because I get to watch our team. Then when they leave, I go, and our, all our teams, with the exception of Clearwater, are all around the Philadelphia area, so there's not a lot of travel. I get in the car, with the exception of Clearwater, then I go down there, I fly down there, which is always fun to go down. And so it's, it's, it's really nice, and I, I like the change, I do. So when Bohm was uh, working his way through the system, you had a good chance to see him? Uh, I got to see him, yep. I, and, uh, and I still, I, I think when the first day I saw him at Wichita, I didn't think he could play third base. I said, man. But he's worked, and he's worked very hard. And there's some balls still he has problems with, but he made a great play last night. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to ever be from lack of effort because this guy goes out. He's a great kid, great work ethic. And it looks like he's, he's starting to find out that he can play down there. It's very difficult for a guy that big to play the infield. You know, they have a tendency to bend at the waist. They don't get their legs involved in it. He's starting to do that a little bit better. But uh, – He's going to be here for a long time. I know. What would you have? Because I was. I know you're getting ready for your. Uh, well, no, I was going. I was going to ask him more. Just you know, um, this year, obviously, with a, um, a unique year, sixty games, uh, they put in some new rules, and and, and I know you're old school. Uh, me personally, I've kind of, I've kind of, uh, ex I thought I was old school, but I'm starting to like some of these new. Um, what do you? What's your take on the DH? What's your take on the three pitch uh, rule? What's your take on seven inning uh, double headers? And what's your take on uh, <laughs> starting on guys, starting second, guy at okay, second base? I'll start with uh, the DH. <laughs> I yep. was definitely against it, but I watch with the exception of seven eight pitchers. The pitchers don't hit, and they get hurt bunting. They break their finger because they wrap their hand around. They get hurt running at first. They pull a hammy or sliding. They'll hurt their shoulder. Uh, so I'm definitely in on that. I def I definitely wasn't. I think it's strategy involved 
takes away from the strategy. So I'm all in on that. I'm in on the three hitter rule because there's too mm -hmm. much one pitcher, one pitcher. Right. I'm in on that. I'm definitely not in on a man on second. Yeah, agreed. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of fun. Now. I just Jason I mean, Stark voted yes. He, it, he it's liked different. it. There's no question. It's different. Yeah. But I, and I'm not in on the seven inning doubleheaders. I get it because of now right. because you don't want to have an 18 inning game and then come back the next day. You're going to deplete your staff. Uh, so there's two I like and two. <laughs> I hope they don't implement, but who knows? They might. Well, there's another rule. Like they're trying to stop fights and and uh, arguing. Managers who argue. Now I'm bringing this up because Girardi got tossed uh, from his first game as a Philly the other night, and it's it was so weird. He's out there with a mask, and oh, it's I just know. you know, that. did he really get his money's worth? You no, know, he didn't. but of course your name come up. He came up, and uh, Baron actually I think texted T Mac during the game because <laughs> they, they were wondering. I wonder how many times Bo's got tossed. Don't, that's my sec. Another uh, question. That's another don't question. Kill it. Well, you've been tossed a few times yeah. you got to just I, what's the best one Bo? give us one best one was was uh dan iasonia dan, oh and, gosh and, i remember that and one yeah. the reason it was so good is they had a thing in the daily news yeah it was a contest when will larry get kicked out and i, I stretched it out and, and there's a couple times i'm saying you know what i'm not going to give them the benefit of the doubt here because all these people probably had the first month i'd be and i went a long time i don't know how exactly how long and then finally, Iasonia, he, he messed up three or four calls in the previous game, and then it carried over the next day. And I just went out, and I knew. I said, this is going to be it. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then the next day in the Daily News, and they said, and the winner is. Yeah. Right. But, uh, it was Dan Iasonia by, by far. And I, and I got my money's worth. You got your money's worth. And then you had a little, it, for a few years, you had a thing for Isonia, a little bit, yeah, right? I, well, I still, I, <laughs> yeah, he, I, I put up with Dan, even watching yeah. him. But uh, behind the plate, he's not very good. Right. And I, I like the guy and all that. Yeah, he's a on nice the, guy. On the basis, he's all right. But right. behind the plate, uh, not real good. <laughs> well, I guess. <laughs> well, maybe another rule change. What do you think of the uh, possibility of electronic, yeah, electronic umpiring ropes. down the road? I'm not in on that. Yeah, I don't, I'm not you know sure what? about you know that what? one either. When we played, and I think when these guys play, you get an umpire, he establishes his strike zone. You have to make that. If a guy's calling a pitch this far outside to a right-handed hitter, he calls it in the first inning. He's calling it in the third. You know as a hitter, you know what? I better protect there because he's calling it. And when we played, those guys were pretty consistent. If they called a pitch down early, there's a good chance in the eighth inning that pitch down is still going to be called a strike. So what you like is consistency. I wouldn't want to be an umpire now because I think there's a lot of heat on these guys. Not only do they call balls and strikes, then they have to go underneath after the game and review every single pitch. There's a lot of heat on that. And uh, – I sort of feel sorry for him. I never thought I'd say that, but I, I feel sorry for him because they're, they're, un, they're under a lot of scrutiny. Yeah. And uh, but I think for the most part they do a pretty good job. But I, I just I watched a couple uh, uh, Arizona Fall League games. They had one of those computer umpires. It was brutal. In what way? Like what? Uh... Well, if the ball just crossed the plate, I seen catchers catch it this far from the dirt, and they say huh. strike. Strike. So, you know, they're getting uh, the umpire standing back there, and he's getting yeah. stuff at his ear. That's a strike, so he calls strike. But I, I don't see that flying. I really don't. Yeah, I, I hope it doesn't either. Yeah. So All right. What do you think, Tom? Yeah, go ahead. Because uh, he does have to get to the press conference. Yeah, so yeah we go. got to get moving. And he's going to get – he's got a free question. He might uh, – so <laughs> – All right, Larry, we always do a uh, – a 
quiz that I put together. Um, and it has some common themes. So if you do listen to our podcast, uh, you will have a little bit advantage. But we're not expecting you to have listened to our podcast. So <laughs> here's our first question. How many questions? Eight? Eight. And yeah, now well, he's got to get six of eight. Oh, yeah, and he's already got one already. He's already got one. He's already in the got bag. one. All right. All right. You got this. Number one, uh, you went to C.K. McClatchy High School in Sacramento, right? Yep. Which celebrity, I'm going to give you four choices, which celebrity did not? So three of them went to C.K. McClatchy, one of them didn't. Ready? I always laugh on these, right? Number one, former Phillies pitcher Vance Worley. Uh, that's A, sorry. B, Associate Justice of the Supreme Court, Anthony Kennedy. C, Match Game 76 contestant Charles Nelson Riley. Or D, or D Chino Moreno, who's a lead vocalist for the Deftones. So do you got... Which one did not? Not. Vance Worley, Anthony Kennedy, Supreme Court, uh, Match Game 76 contestant Charles Nelson Riley, or Chino Moreno, who's lead vocals for the Deftones? I'm going to say the, the vocal to the Deftones. <laughs> No, no. It's, it's Charles Nelson Charles Riley. Nelson and the reason Riley. why we're laughing is because I always, I always put somebody from Match Game seventy six. Remember that show? Yeah. So I yeah, always throw Gene in like a, I throw in a Gene Rayburn, a Soupy Sales, wow. a Fanny Flag, or yeah, somebody. If they are like that, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Maybe this one will be easier. Which celebrity did not go to Sacramento, Sacramento City College? Okay. Actress Jessica Chastain, uh, comedian Buddy Hackett, uh, Rick Shue. Uh, Phil's infielder or defensive lineman for the Bears, Akeem Hicks. Which so one did not. Did go? not. Je say, say Jessica Chastain, Buddy Hackett, <laughs> Rick Shue. Buddy Hackett. Buddy Hackett, Hackett is correct. That is correct. I guess when I when I start laughing at these, I guess that's the that's the tell. <laughs> not really. Um, all right. These are more. These are more up your alley here. Uh, you won two Gold Gloves uh, and retired with the NL record for career games at shortstop. And Major League Baseball records for fielding, uh, averaging a career at 980 and a single season 991, and amongst the career leaders in assists and double plays. How many times did you lead the NL in fielding percentage? Okay, is it three, four, five, or six? I know this. I did my research. You did. Yeah. And you didn't. You didn't even know I was going to ask that question. I'm going to say four. Larry, wow. you're selling yourself short. Six. Yeah, six. Yeah. And then Ozzy came along and it set, so I think Ozzy's got the record. Right. Seven, uh, yeah, Ozzie seven was, years. Ozzy was pretty good. Yeah, he, he was pretty good. <laughs> All right. You need to go on a little roll here, the Bryce, the Bryce Harper roll here. Oh, All right. Uh, how many wins did you have as a Phillies manager? Okay. Oh, man. A, 410. B, 225. C, 304. D, 337. It was three something. I know that. Um, so it's either 304 or 337. I'm going to say 337. There you go. Hey, there you right. go. He's on a roll. You are. Um, you got the next one already because I said in your first pro game in 1966 yep. uh, in Spartanburg, yeah, who was the opposing pitcher, oh. and you got that one. Um, and then Tom Burgoyne, you almost led him into the other one because it said, how many times have <laughs> you been thrown out of a game wearing a Phillies uniform as a manager, coach, or and player combined? Oh, wow. Okay, so you have... Uh, 35 A, 20 B, C is 58, and D is 75. So you have 35, 20, 58, 75. Counting, playing too? Player, coach, 58. and manager. Fit <laughs> Bang. 35. Wait, no, it was 58. That's a Phillies. All right. I'll give it to you. Come on. I'll give it to you because I deceived you yeah, on that one. Of course. All right. Two more questions. I think it was 35 just as the AAA yes, manager right. in the for the right. Padres. Right, right. <laughs> All right. 
we have a mutual friend, uh, Tom. I don't know if you know that. Uh, Larry and I have a good buddy, Chris Bozzi, right. uh, who actually right. married you, right? He got his yes, license, marriage yes, license, he and he married you in Valley Forge yep. Park. Yep. You and Patty and, yep. and Bodie? Bodie. Right, and Bodie, your dog. Yep. Um, so I don't know. You know this, Ed, because you work out with him. He's reached the peak of many mountains, okay? Yeah, yeah. Which, ha- which one has he not climbed? <laughs> Mount Elbrus in Russia, Mount Everest, Mount Kilimanjaro, or Mount Rainier? The one in uh, Russia. No, he's never climbed Mount Everest. Oh, he, he, has climbed the, he has climbed the Russian one. Wow. Everest is a tough one. I don't, I don't know. If, all right, the last one. If you get this one, we're going to give it to him. All right. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. And what's he getting again? I told you I'm not good at this. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> right, we'll, oh, well, uh, Dick Allen um, mask. We've got Dick Allen mask. Is that right? Yeah. yeah we we'll get Bo a Dick Allen mask. Yeah, look at that. Debbie had him. Who's that? Debbie's yeah, Debbie's got him. Yeah. All right. So which of these athletes did not get cut at one time from their high school team? At any point. So, I mean, you were cut all four years, right. which is, again, so I you're just... you're saying if they got cut once? Yeah, it could be the freshman year or whatever, but they got cut. Okay, so three of these got cut. One did not. Okay. okay. Oral Hershiser, Bob Cousy, Ken Griffey Jr., Michael Jordan. Jeez. That's a tough one. One of them got cut? No, one of them, one of them did not get cut. All, all three oh, of I those Jordan got, got cut. Yep. I know he got cut. I knew... Uh, Hershiser, Cousy, and Hershiser, okay. Who were the other two? Down to Bob Cousy and Ken Griffey Jr. I can't imagine Griffey getting cut. I'm going to say Cousy. Well, no, you're right, because Griffey did, did not get cut. Oh, right. There so it you is. got it right. Yes, you got it right. right. Oral Hershiser, by the way, little uh, side note, he played on the Little Flyers, which is a um, yeah, he was a hockey club guy. hockey. He <laughs> played with my brother Drew, and on the Little good? Flyers, their, their team went to the Nationals that year, and I think they lost to a team from Madison, Wisconsin, that had Mark Johnson and Eric Hyden on the team. Oh, wow. Right. wow. Yeah, That's but right. so, uh, Oral just to make that team, Larry, you had to be a very super, you know, really good player. Wow. So Oral Hershiser was a defenseman in hockey. Yeah, wow. Great athlete. Tidbit. All right. Well, we got to wrap this up. We got the uh, Dick Allen retirement. Okay. Uh, Bo, thanks for being with us. Uh, right. tw- John, you know, 29 years, the longest ever uh, in a Phillies uniform, Larry Bowa. And not just saying because he's right across Go from ahead. me, but he's one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Philly uh, as a person, as a player. And, and it's a I real pleasure to have that. you. And uh, this is, uh, you know, I bleed Philly, mm-hmm. Philly red. And uh, I really believe, I said this when we left spring training, this team is going to go deep into the playoffs. And as I said before, you're going to face Nola and Wheeler. Watch out the rest of the National League. I'm just telling you, it's a good team. It's a good lineup. It's a good manager, a good pitching coach. I'm looking for big things going into, uh, into October. Awesome. Awesome. Great. With that, we'll sign off. Thanks, Bo. Okay, and uh, thanks, everybody, man. thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.